This question is from an anonymous uh, retreatant online. Dear Ajahn, I have many plans in my life. Sometimes I would wait for a while for one opportunity, but when I get the opportunity, I would give up immediately because I don't think it is important anymore. However, a few weeks later, I would fight for the opportunity again and then give up again, repeat and repeat. I cannot accomplish any goals because I always give up when I have the chance. It makes me feel very confused for a few years. I don't know what to do. Can Ajahn give me some advice? Thank you. So one of the qualities that lead us to success is that of sincerity or setting our hearts on something. So this quality of chanda, of desire or setting the heart on something. So when we've set our hearts well already and then we've uh, waited for the opportunity to arrive and then when it comes we need effort as well. So what this shows that in this case the effort is not there. The opportunity is there, but then when it comes, there's the sankhara or the proliferations of the mind which cut that sincerity off. And so there are thoughts that come up, views that come up, uh, thoughts and views that uh, change from what they were before. And that leads us to waste this opportunity. So we need to establish this uh, satcha, this kind of truthfulness, uh, so determination. Um, and we've contemplated already that this thing that we're planning on doing, it's something that is good. And but when the time comes, then our thoughts change. And we think that it's not something important anymore, it's just an insignificant matter. But we set this determination that even though these thoughts may come up, we will still do that activity. Because you have this experience already, and you've seen the drawbacks of that, of having that sincerity, waiting for the opportunity, but then not doing it, how that wastes your time. So you need to establish your heart anew. You've seen the drawbacks of these thoughts which cut off um, this activity and prevent you from doing that. So you shouldn't believe those thoughts. So you could say that this is some karma that's coming up or it's the mara of sankharas that's coming up. But if there's the sincerity of mind, then you won't waste this opportunity that when it comes, you'll do that. So you have this experience already. And uh, so you shouldn't, or you've seen how this wastes your time. If it's something that doesn't harm oneself, doesn't harm others, you've used your wisdom already to contemplate this activity and seen that it's good, then you should really set this kind of determination of truth that you will follow through with this until you succeed in it. This question is from an anonymous person at a physical retreat. Hello, Ajahn Anand. Thank you for your teaching. As a young Buddhist, I am inclined to spend time meditating and doing volunteer work. I am not inclined to start a family and have children. 
Some may find this selfish. Will you be able to advise on this? Thank you. So, selfishness is something that we should understand first, what that is. And that's doing something for oneself without having any interest about others or even harming others. And that is a selfish activity. But if we have this thought that when we have the time we'll develop samadhi or we'll help other people, we have this kindness there to um, give a helping hand, then that is merit and that is skillful as well. This is the heart of giving, so it's not selfish. So not having a family, not having children, this is something that's normal for someone who sees the drawbacks and of the chaos of having a family and children. So that's not something that's selfish. It just depends upon the level of the minds of individuals. Some people have a family and children already and they practice and keep uh, this virtue as well. And so it's not incorrect to do that. So they're staying within this kind of bounds of virtue and developing goodness. So this isn't something that you should worry about. You shouldn't be concerned about how other people see you, but rather look at yourself and to see whether you're harming yourself or others. And that's correct to be looking in that way. So just carry on doing what you're doing and developing mindfulness and samadhi, being firm in your precepts. When you have the time, then you can give that time in order to help out society in line with your energy and your means. And so that's an act of kindness and compassion. And that kindness and compassion that comes back to support your meditation as well and makes the meditation better. Is heaven or hell a physical place or is it only the state of mind after death? So I'm talking about the realms of existence. And there are three of these. There's um, three worlds, that's of the world of sensuality and the world of uh, form and formless. So in terms of the realm of sensuality, um, humans are in the middle of this. Um, above humans there's the heaven worlds, or the heaven realms. And so that's of the four great kings and of uh, Tawatingsa and Yama and up above those as well. And then higher than those we have the uh, Brahma worlds. So there's the Brahma worlds of form and then the formless Brahmas as well. Below the human level there are animals and then pratas, these hungry ghosts. Uh, the asuras um, is the cowardly titans they're sometimes translated as and the lowest uh, level is that of hell. So there are these three worlds, these three planes of existence, 
and beings travel between these, um, being born and dying, constantly through these uh, three planes. So if they have merit in their minds, then they'll be born as a human or as a deva. If someone has jhana, then they'll go to the Brahma worlds. And so the Brahmas, they have these qualities of um, kindness and compassion, sympathetic joy and equanimity. So the Brahma gods, the form Brahma gods, they have four faces for these four qualities. For the formless Brahmas, uh, that they focus just on mental qualities and their minds are very subtle until they become empty. And the Buddha said that they are very close to Nibbana at that point. The people who, or beings who have samadhi like this, uh, to the level of a formed or a formless Brahma, um, that it doesn't, it's quite easy for them to develop uh, vipassana inside if they turn their minds to that. So lower than the humans, um, these are beings that have greed, hatred and delusion um, in their minds at the point of death, that their mind is in quite a gloomy and down state, and so they go to uh, a lower plane. So in asking, are these planes of existence real? Well, they are real following the karma that we build. That when we do this karma, then we'll get born into one of these realms following the qualities that are there within our minds. So if the qualities in the mind are not good, then we'll fall. If they are good, then we'll get born as a human, or if they're even better than that, get born as a deva, celestial being. So what we should do is really try to build up all kinds of goodness, all of these good qualities of generosity and virtue and meditation, having mindfulness, being firmly established in our precepts. And these are the qualities that prevent our minds from becoming sad and falling down. But we also shouldn't wait until death for that, that we should look at our minds here in the present moment first that if in the present moment the mind is in a sad state, a gloomy down state, then the mind will fall into these, one of these realms of uh, deprivation. So this happens in the mind first. And if at that point the physical body dies, then the mind will go to that plane. But if the mind is in a bright and joyful state, then upon death, then the mind will go up to a higher realm. So in the Buddha's time, there was, or just after the Buddha's time rather, there was someone who was taking some lotus flowers to, in order to pay homage to a stupa that contained the relics of the Buddha. But on the way, this person uh, died 
and was reborn as a deva. Well, there was, during the time of the Buddha, a frog that was listening to the Buddha teach at Jaitavana Monastery. And while this frog was listening to the sermon, a someone looking after cows, a cowherd, came along and uh, struck that frog with his walking stick. And so that frog died while listening to the Dhamma, and even though he didn't have an understanding of those teachings, there was still the energy of the purity of that sound. And so great joy arose within that frog's heart, and upon dying uh, was born as a, a human. So we're able, or beings, change their uh, worlds of existence like this. And so, hell exists, heaven exists, the Brahma worlds exist, and Nibbana exists. And if we bring the mind to purity, then we see the Dhamma, and in seeing that, we see Nibbana. We attain to the Dhamma, and the mind attains to this pure emptiness, which is Nibbana. Next question is from an anonymous person at a physical retreat. Hi, Long Po. Thank you so much for your talk on Satta, faith, and how the mind needs to be cultivated to practice well. My question is, how would you advise if one is breathless after meditation? So establish your mindfulness um, anew. So take three deep breaths, a deep in-breath, and then breathe all the air out, and then establish your mindfulness um, anew. There's, and then also there's no need to um, watch the breath then while um, sitting in meditation, because there may be a... Uh, it may not kind of be in line with kind of your breath now with uh, how it's appropriate to be when sitting in meditation. So when sitting, you can watch your thoughts instead and look at how it is that your thoughts are going. If they are unskillful and wholesome thoughts, try to abandon them. If they're good, then try to cultivate them. And so don't worry about this, just establish the uh, mindfulness um, anew. And there may be a bit of, kind of confusion um, there, that you may be used to a more coarse posture. Um, and so the breath is kind of flowing at that rate. But when sitting in meditation, uh, there's no need or the breath should be going slower, uh, but the, the there's not kind of a the, the the body doesn't really kind of get that. So when walking, then you have the mindfulness there with uh, walking with the feet, and then when speaking, then you know that uh, you're speaking. But there's no need to focus um, on 
the breath uh, for now. And then in time, this will uh, resolve itself and the, the breath will relax. You'll be able to get into a peaceful state and there won't be this confusion. The next question is from an anonymous person at a physical retreat. Hi, Ajahn Anand. Thanks for providing this peaceful environment for us to cultivate our minds. In the secular world, there are opportunities to earn a living by being a mindfulness teacher. How does one know one is ready to be a mindfulness teacher? So in teaching um, meditation, this can give rise to quite a lot of uh, benefit. And as we teach, we teach ourselves and we teach others as well. And we're probably not doing that just to gain things, but um, we have an, this intention uh, to spread the teachings of the perfectly self-awakened Buddha. However, we also need uh, to have a livelihood as well. And so, in teaching, and uh, there's something that we get back from that, kind of a price that uh, we get back for our efforts. So, we may listen to these teachings and have a clear understanding of them on that level. And so there's this memory of what we have heard. And then from that memory, we can speak um, in line with that and teach people uh, the correct path of practice. Even though we may not have um, very deep or clear experiences ourselves. But when people listen to those teachings um, and put them into practice, they may get very good results from that. They may gain samadhi, they may gain wisdom. But we shouldn't forget this foundation of sila, of virtue as well. And then maybe also we gain certain experiences in our practice. Perhaps we sit in meditation and there's mindfulness there. The mind becomes still and peaceful and then joy arises. There's a buoyancy both in the body and mind. And then we have enough of an understanding about samadhi then to be able to teach others as well. So from what the understanding that we gain from experience that we have, then we can speak on that, we can uh, teach so that people don't lose the correct path or go astray. And if the nature of the Dharma appears for us, and perhaps we see uh, clearly how all forms and feelings, perceptions, uh, mental formations, and the sense consciousness is anicca, dukkha, anatta, something that's constant changing and stressful and not self. And we see this uh, clearly, then that's all the better, we'll be able to teach people even better. But if we're going to wait until we gain kind of the best experience before we start teaching, then maybe we don't ever get to that point. So whatever 
degree that we have experience and uh, our ability, then we should teach to that uh, degree. But you should also be cautious and careful not to recommend uh, bad things to other people as well. The next question is from an anonymous person at a physical retreat. Hi Long Po, can you please advise on how to deal with my overexcited mind before sleep? I have been losing sleep due to being overly anxious in certain situations that I have dealt or reacted to in a negative and stressful way. Even though I chant and try to let go of these thoughts. Thank you. So you should try to have a period before going to bed for at least an hour where you don't do any work and try to relax the body. So you can listen to some chanting that has uh, some music as well. Because if you just chant, then that may not uh, relax you. But if you have this of quiet, light sounding chanting maybe with music as well, then this can bring an ease uh, to the breath and to the heart. And you can try chanting lightly along with that as well. And then spread matter to yourself, reciting, may I be happy and may all beings be happy. And think like this. And also reflect that today may be the last day of your life. So why worry then? Why be afraid? Because life is not sure. You need to be separated from all things. And thinking like this can allow you to let go of these worries and these fears and let go of this stress as well. Because life is not sure, but death is sure. So if we bring up this feeling that we need uh, to die, then we won't worry about anything. So you should have mindfulness and give rise to uh, joy within uh, the mind. And so try this out. So you can also try out a new mantra or meditation word. So if you want to uh, sleep, and then you can recite this mantra of um, sleep, sleep, or deep sleep, deep sleep. So on the in-breath, you can recite sleep. On the out-breath, sleep. And if that doesn't work, or if that kind of gives rise to a worry that you're not going to sleep, uh, then you can change this mantra to um, being intent not to sleep. So on the in-breath, you can recite don't fall asleep. On the, on the out-breath, don't fall asleep. And then you may just kind of lose that meditation word and fall asleep. And you can also <coughs> recite as well kind of another mantra, which is um, kind of on the in-breath, you can recite uh, sleeping is not self. On the out-breath, not sleeping is not self and uh, just carry on reciting that and let go.